tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Oh, hello, Matt. Oh, hello, Mike. What's going on, brother? Uh, not much. I just uh, got home from dropping a car off at service, doing my weekly car shuffle, and, uh, you know, trying to get work done before I can't do any more work. What happens around the holidays is, especially Christmas, um, I don't celebrate Christmas, and so mm -hmm. I just am like, oh, everyone's, like, away. I can get things done. But then I try to, like, I realize that getting things done sometimes involves others, mm -hmm. and so it's a day of just auto out of office auto reply out of office auto reply so you know i woke up this morning and did a bunch of emails and then like ran out to take a car and i came back i'm looking at my emails like oh i have a hundred out of office auto replies awesome so i guess i'm forced to stop doing work now <laughs> and here's why i'm upset i know we're skype videoing now but my video is not working i, I know you this watch aficionado I wanted to know if you approve, and I'm wearing it, my Mr. Cartoon G-Shock watch from 15 years ago. Can a 37-year-old oh. man wear a G-Shock watch? A thousand percent. Okay. G-Shock is a watch that has extraordinary watch credibility. Uh, G-Shock is a very strong brand. They have a lot of really cool limited edition watches. Our, our dearly departed friend Carl and I shared an affinity for, for G-Shock watches, the gold, the gold G-Shock, which is, of uh, you know, the, the watch he was wearing most of the time in the last couple months of his life. Uh, I had one of those too. I actually ended up selling it because I just, I just didn't wear it and I don't have time for anything in my life that I don't use. <laughs> and so, um, uh, but yeah, no, you can absolutely wear a G-Shock of any type as a 37 year old man. I have a G-Shock that I wear that Carl gave me. And that is, is a cool watch because it's like, it looks like the basic black one. Like it looks like the most basic one, mm -hmm. except it's made of carbon fiber and titanium and it's a rare limited edition from Japan. So, you know, like Carl would say, you can be, you can be frugal and a watch snob, like at the same time. I was skimming through your Instagram page at the smoking tire and you have four Thanks. passions that you post about uh, two, which I have no interest in, but we're going to talk about, and that's cars and watches and yeah. two, two that I absolutely love. You have this big time alpha male. Are you, you know, just here for the cats and the food? Is that what? <laughs> Matt, you, you nailed it. Well, cats and podcasting, you're this big alpha male with the cars, the watches, the cigars, and yet there's a million pictures of cats. Is Matt a, a cat guy? Well, I think people. Yes, I am a cat guy. Can you see Conrad over my shoulder? He's yes, here. and I want you to see my cat Pickles. He's over my shoulder, but this he. Is, uh, this is Conrad. Conrad's my old man. He's uh, he's 15. He was my first cat. Okay. Uh, Oh, I wasn't trying to keep going. Oh, look. and Finn is right here. Come here yeah, oh, the the kittens just arrived, so you're gonna see <laughs> you're you're gonna see kittens. Now. Do you want to come up, Finn? Um, the kittens are lunatics, and uh, so we have four. Me and my wife have four cats, but we, I mean, it's we at least we have a, a pretty decent sized place, so it doesn't seem like totally overrun all the time. I don't think we could have more, but. But you know when you have uh, when you have kittens, they're like that's the most photogenic thing ever is a, is a, a quality pair of bonded kittens. I never wanted a cat in my life. I live in Manhattan, so I had mice. So at the time, my girlfriend's like, "Listen, my mom has a cat. She'll come destroy the mice." The first night there, the cat Kirby killed like two mice, and yeah. I never saw a mouse again. Yeah. We just got we got an apartment in Astoria, Matt, and she's like, "I want to get a kitten." I'm like, "Listen, I'm a dog guy. We get pickles a year and a half ago, dude. I am I'm that guy like." You can only post 100 pictures a day obsessed with these cats. It's crazy, isn't it? No, like I I like dogs too. It's not it's, it's it's again, it's not, you know, it's not like can I be an alpha male and love kittens. It's like also it's not that binary, you know, like I like dogs and I like cats. Um my Conrad, uh my first cat, I got I literally found him on the street. Like he was in a box with with two of his siblings on the street in in New York City when I was living in Stuyvesant town. And, uh, like I found them in a box and just like brought them inside and, uh, and I, I didn't want cats. I just, but I ended up with, with two of them, Conrad and his brother, Eddie. And, <laughs> um, and it just, as it turns out, 
um, you know, when you travel a lot and when you are someone who, you know, you need to spend a lot of time with a dog. If you're not the kind of person who can spend that time with a dog or can divide that time among a, a big family or something, I don't think that's very fair to the dog. Whereas a cat, um, not that cats don't need uh, attention, which with four of them, you certainly do. Um, but, uh, you know, they're a little more self, uh, they take care of themselves a little bit. They poop in boxes from the womb, pretty much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like my, my homie lived with me for a while and had a pug and the pug was very, is a very sweet pug. Like there's nothing wrong with it as a dog, but like when he would go out of town, I had to walk that fucker and, the, la the I, I do a lot of exercise. I go to the gym and I ride my bike and I walk a lot of places. But like first thing in the morning, right in the middle of the day and last thing before bed are the three times that I least want to go for a fucking <laughs> half hour. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I'm not lazy. I just don't want to go right out of bed to a half hour walk. And then right in the middle of my shit, in the middle of my flow, in the middle of the day, go on a half hour fucking walk. And then right before bed, when I'm exhausted, go on a walk. Like, that is not when I want to go on those walks. And so, like, I'm just not about a dog right now. Rain, rain, heat, snow. They, dogs don't care. You have to go out. The cats, it doesn't matter what kind of weather. They piss, they shit, they take care of it. It's, it's incredible how easy it is. I mean, look, every cat that I have added to my family, which has been cats of all ages at this point. You know, I've had, we've had, I've, I've lived with probably eight different cats at this point. Every single one of those cats has come from the factory knowing how to shit in a box. <laughs> the factory. <laughs> and, and it's not, it require. you know, my, my, my friend just like, my friend just got a new puppy and I'm like, how is he? He's like, oh, he's fucking shitting all over the house. And I'm like, that's literally like, that's never happened to me. Like if a cat, if a cat shits on the floor, I don't, I don't want to say it's never happened because a cat is shit on the floor. But mm -hmm. if a cat shits on your floor, there's a real obvious problem that needs to be addressed. Right. One last cat thing. Cause no one wants to talk to Matt about cats except me. Are you kidding? I have like half my Instagram people who DM me. were like, I don't want my fucking friends to see this, but can you just do more cats? Everyone is hey, such, so everyone's going to be such a fucking tough guy until they, they, oh, yo, don't tell anybody, but I really like your cats. You, you just whole, now, my, Matt, you now my next. Just like Camaros and guns and meathead yeah. shit. And... <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, so you know what I do for work. On paper, I look like I'm tough. I'm all tatted up. I got the backwards yeah. hat. I'm rocking a beard. I have a stroller. And now I take my cat walking through a fucking stroller. So people are like, bro, you Good kidding me? You. And But Matt, you know, they give me the double look. They're like, oh, let me see his kit. Is this guy walking around with a goddamn cat? I have a stroller Wait, for pickles. The, the cat like the cat likes it. Pickles he likes lo it. He loves it. He that's cool. Yeah, he jumps in the carriage. That's all he wants to do. I are you gonna leash train him? Uh, we try to, but when we do the leash, he just falls down and plays dead. So no, we wanted to oh, leash that's him. That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't believe I'm saying this to you, but yes, I will send you a video of uh, the leash training. No, that's fun. That's <laughs> funny. I I had a three legged cat for like six months that I named Morgan. I named him Morgan after the three wheeled car. And he was a Russian blue and he was a psychopath. Um, he was so sweet with people and babies. He loved babies and he was really good with dogs, but he wanted to murder my other cats. It was fucking crazy. But I, I literally was able to, to, we, we leash trained him in, in about 24 hours. It was wild. It, like this is one of the smartest cats I've ever seen, except he was focusing that smart on murdering my other cats. <laughs> Hey, this, uh, the second thing I love about you, especially your Instagram, is your podcast studio. You're, you're not building a studio. You're building like a compound with this oh. soundproof room. What is going on with this? Well, I'm building a whole other thing that just happens to have a studio in it. That's, okay, it's, okay, it's okay. It's not a – no, no. <laughs> I thought you'd have a, a three-floor studio. Like, I said, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That – I mean that would be the craziest – If okay. So what I'm building is, is something I've been working on for four years. It's called West Side Collector Car Storage. So – uh, it, it, this probably, I mean, if you, if you live in New York, this probably makes sense in LA, believe it or not, if you live in certain parts of LA, even though the city is huge, there's, it's, it's dense in certain parts. And so if you live where I live, which is, I live in Venice beach, but there's also any of the cities along the beach are, uh, I don't mean this in a bad way, but they're like, they're full. Like, right. Like you just there's not a lot of room for things and nobody wants no one likes the idea of building more parking lots. But what I'm doing is I'm building a collector car storage facility 
that is optimized in many ways for car collectors, uh, and I'm putting it in an area that specifically does not have something like this, the beach cities. And so I, my location is just the most, it's the sickest location. It's so pimp. It's, it's in a neighborhood called Playa Vista, which is right across the street from where the Clippers practice, the okay. Clippers practice building, Yahoo, Google, Facebook, and YouTube. And then a bunch of, it's uh, Loyola Marymount University's there, and there's a bunch of, like, luxury condos and stuff. It's awesome. It's a good place to be right by LAX, too. Um, but if you're going to build, like, a crazy place like this, you know, and you're me, like, I don't I don't want to also pay rent on like, a podcast studio. So, like, so, yes, one of the things we're putting there is is a new podcast studio for the Smoke Tire Podcast. Yeah. So, Wait. but that's, listen, we did the podcast for... Three years in our living room. We did an episode every week for three years in our living room. Then another five years in the studio we're in now, which is, I suppose, fine, but it's like real shitty. It's like ghetto, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. And 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 that the studio we're in now is supposed to be temporary, and that was like four years ago. So <laughs> finally, we're moving to the kind of studio that uh, that we've we've wanted, and so I'm glad it's taken so long because we feel like we've earned it. <laughs> you know, finally. But because hey, I was going to ask, where do you? How far distance from where you used to record from to now? Is it close by or is it like a hike? Oh no, no, no! It's all everything's close by. And, and if you live in LA, the most important thing about being here is is you never would want. It's one thing if you have to have a long commute and you don't have a choice, but if you have a choice, you give yourself the shortest commute possible because the one thing you can never get back is your time. As successful as you are, you know, until you get to like LeBron successful, like LeBron gets to like live in Orange County and like helicopter to yeah, the Staples. That's Center. some Kobe Bryant shit. Yeah. That's the Kobe yeah. Bryant traffic thing. <laughs> yeah, was it Kobe? I don't know basketball. Was it? Kobe? Yeah, yeah, it, it was Kobe. Kobe's yeah. like, I'll stay with the Lakers. Just yeah. have to helicopter me to the to the Staples Center to play some yeah, ball. Right? Okay, I'm bad at basketball. Sorry, but I knew somebody did that shit. You until you get that rich, your traffic sucks for you just like everybody else. So <laughs> minimize that shit. <laughs> Will. Will your studio be as cool as Joe Rogan's studio, which you were just on for the second time? He doesn't have that many repeat uh, guests, and you were repeat guests and a ton of thumbs ups. Dude, I've done I've done four four episodes of Rogan now. Really? The, yeah, the first two he didn't really trust me. The first two he had he had me on and with other people. Okay, okay, okay. Um, like as like like car car people, um, and that was fine. But no, it's a it's a fun show, and Joe is a is a is a good dude, I think, and and um. You know his his where his giant ass warehouse is crazy. You know his studio is inside his like super pimp man cave, yeah. um, which is uh, he's up in it's up in the valley um, uh, on the other side of the hill. That probably means nothing to you, but um, it's uh, it's he's got all the good toys. You know he's got a massive gym. He's got the fucking isolation tank, the the float <laughs> tank in there. It's really he's got an archery range. I mean, it's it's very silly. It's the kind of place that you know, if if you were making Rogan cash, that you'd want to have. You know, my place, unfortunately, like <laughs> my my physical studio will be as cool as his physical studio. Um, you know, his studio is basically just a full room inside of a warehouse that they built. Um, but uh. The, the studio will probably be as cool. I hope will be as cool, but it'll, uh, I, you know, I have to use the rest of the space to store <laughs> customer vehicle. You know what it will have? It's going to have a really cool view into the warehouse area, you know, so you're going to look through this room into this giant, really like full size kind of matchbox set of cars. That'll be full size cars. You know, that's really going to be the coolest thing. And, Unfortunately, that's not something the people who are watching the podcast will join in on seeing, but the but the people in the studio will be able to enjoy that. When's this going to be up and running? Oh, bro, the W word, bro. You dropped the W bomb on me. When is this? Is such a hard one. Uh, when it uh, it should, it'll be up and running four months ago, right on schedule. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, this is my first the first time I've ever built anything. I've never done. I'm not physically swinging hammers, but I'm, you know, it's my, I'm, I own it, and so I've never like built anything before, and so uh, 
we're a little a little behind schedule, but it's not the end of the world. In the grand scheme of things, you know, you can see shit for sit idle for years while people figure out what's going on. We were supposed to be done probably like back in September. <laughs> we're, we're, we're likely going to be done in January. Okay, that's not uh, bad. No, it's it's not the end of the world. It's 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 just late enough that people are calling it a, a Los Angeles on time. It's basically it's basically the amount of if you say you're going to meet someone who lives in L.A. for dinner, it's basically the amount late that they would show up. Um, <laughs> I have a real New York sense of time. So you you're on time to get 10 minutes early. Yeah, I got yeah. – well, and I and in, in between now and the next thing, I behave like I've got shit to do. You know, people, people in this city, when they're driving or when they're getting from place to place, you know, they act like they'll just get – they'll get there when they'll get there and they're not – they don't act like they're part of the system that is involved in everybody getting there faster, you know? Just back to Rogan quick, because the numbers he puts up on shows are just out of control with his downloads and stuff. And then I went to your page. Yeah, he's very good for business. Yes, I was going to say, do you see a big uptick? Because you're close to a million subscribers on your on your thing. That's incredible. Yeah, I know. YouTube, um, I think we got – hang on. let me. You know, I haven't – I paid attention for the first couple, and then mm-hmm. I kind of stopped mm-hmm. looking. What am I at on YouTube? 9.35. YouTube was not as big as Instagram. Instagram, um, I picked up, I think, around 10 to 11,000 subscribers since I did the show. Yeah, uh, 12,000. I'm up I'm up 12,000 subscribers since doing the show, uh, followers on Instagram. YouTube has only been like 4,000 or 5,000. Um but I don't know. I was I was just saying, doing Rogan now is like doing Stern back in the day, where your numbers would just go. Yeah. Stern would have on like a nobody comedian, and they would go sell out Carolines for a month, and that's kind of what Rogan's doing now when you do a show. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not quite on that level because it's it's so um, dispersed, but mm-hmm. it's definitely you definitely pick up a lot of new fans um, for sure. And you definitely get people who vehemently disagree with things that you said, and and then Rogan chops the show up into um, you know little bit little highlight bits, and so even you know it's some of the numbers on those individual uh, bits are pretty are pretty high, and so uh, you know I think I think the Tesla freaks don't like me very much, but that's okay because you know people that are in cults generally don't know that they're in cults, so it's okay. I- even though I know nothing about it and I have no interest in it, I, I want to know back. When people are passionate about something, like I'm passionate about sports. It's my life. I can talk about every sport team, every stat. You're, car, you're the car guy. Take me back to the love of cars, how it started. I'm always curious how people get involved like with loving X. So how did you get involved loving cars? I mean it's not, it's not uh, particularly complicated. It's a combination of um, the fact that I – I, I I thought when my dad, when I was like, you know, four or five years old, brought me my first car magazine, which check it out. I still have it. It's right here. I'll show you on the video. Okay. Car and driver. Wow. Wow. The DeLorean. Okay. DeLorean on the cover. That's my mm-hmm. first car magazine ever. It's holy shit. I haven't picked this thing up in a long time. Let me tell you something. Okay. 19, this car magazines from the eighties were a lot thicker than they are now. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but if you go from that to wait, hang on, let's go to here. Damn it! There's the one. There's the the one issue around here, like right around here somewhere, where I like wrote stuff for. You know, and then like you got you get you know here's my here's Carcraft cover. You know, with yeah. my my Fox body on it. So um uh so you know it's it's uh the the beginning of it was just seeing uh pictures and, and and of exotic cars and being like oh you know a car can, is something that can be you know more special uh than just the thing that i you know go to, to to school in with mom and dad you know what i mean and then um uh my my parents i used to talk them into bringing me to this dealership when i was a kid that had like gray market you know imports so there's pictures of me as of a little kid as of sitting in countoshes and stuff at these dealers and ferrari 308s um and my dad got me a go-kart when i was nine you know i have subscriptions i mean even just up here on the wall i was able to pull that one up but i've got car and driver road and track and automobile up on this shelf right here 
you know, going back to the, the late 80s and early 90s of when I was really just first able to read, honestly. The, the old the old one with the DeLorean, I couldn't even read that. <laughs> but, but the picture looked cool, so. Well, that's, you know, I bought it. I ended up buying a De- DeLorean eventually, and, and, and it was really a, a about realizing that dream because the DeLorean, when you, you know, we now know it was kind of a crappy car, but to a to a five year old, you know, it was steel and the doors went up and then, you know, and then Back to the Future came out the next year, you know, and so it was a whole it was a whole thing. And that was really, really inspiring. And then and then I just kept, you know, I kept reading the magazines and, and doing whatever and writing about cars and talking about cars never really seemed like an actual career option that regular people just had. Um, I didn't at the time really enjoy writing that that really wasn't my thing i never really enjoyed that uh probably because the thing that i had to write about sucked it was i wasn't writing about cars and uh uh, and and so i studied photography which i really liked uh and still love and i majored in that tried to be a photographer it didn't work out and i thought well if i if i can't be a photographer like maybe i can get some kind of a job in cars and so I worked at exotic car rental companies, dealerships. Um, I, I opened a, a little car wash with my friend Larry Casilla in Harrison, New York, um, serving serving the greater Goomba community. Wait, wait, wait where did you where did you grow up, Mag? You mentioned Stytown. You grew up in Stytown? No, I grew up in Rye. Okay, and in then Rye, New York. I went to Rye Country Day School. Okay, and because we when we hung out at Carl's Benefit, you told me you went to school in Penn. So how did this whole circle go from Rye? Stytown, so, right. so I, Cali. Was born, I was born in New Jersey. Okay. When and in Englewood, New Jersey, and when I was six, my family moved to Atlanta, mm-hmm. and when I was eleven, we moved back to Westchester County to Rye, um, and I went to Rye Country Day School through high school, graduated from there. I mm-hmm. went to the University of Pennsylvania, so did four years in Philly. Then I moved back to New York City and lived in Stytown for a couple years. Great location. I lived on East 10th and 1st forever. Great yeah, location. I was on 16th and 1st, which was also a great location. Yes. I was directly across from Beth Israel Hospital, so yeah. I had the fucking ambulances <laughs> all the time. But I had that but that place, Mozzarella Pizza, on I think it was like <laughs> Avenue A maybe in 13th. It was like okay. some of the best pizza I've ever had. And uh, and from there, I went I went back to the suburbs, did Greenwich for a couple of years when I, I ran this car wash with my friend Larry in Harrison, New York. And Harrison is where all the super Goombas go when they left Brooklyn. Yes. yes. They wanted, so it was like <laughs> the most seriously, like the most. Everybody was in the mafia. Like mm-hmm. we had every Goomba client. It was crazy. The, the The people we were dealing with and it was. So they were hilarious because we were just like in our twenties. We were just like the car wash kids, you know, uh, you know. But like, but like there was some sketchy stuff that was going on there. But it was it was fun, and um, and we started from the car wash. We started this driving club because these guys with the exotic cars and the sports cars they didn't really have anything to do with them, so they would just drive them from their house to the car wash, smoke cigars, and hang out with us, and then drive home. So we were like can we please like set up some drives so that like these folks and us can like do something with our cars. So it was right when Google maps first came out. Okay. And most everybody was older. And so I was like, I figured out Google maps and they really, really well in the early days of it. And so I came up with these drive routes that like nobody had ever seen before, even though it was local. And then we started going on these drives. And then a couple months after that, uh, there was this new thing called YouTube that launched in like oh six mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh, if we started like filming our drives, people would like think our club was cool <laughs> and they that was the literally and so I hired a, a kid who ended up becoming my business partner later, and uh we basically made these like driving videos they were sort of like skateboard videos, but with cars and it was so early, like I'm talking about like within three months of YouTube being a thing. And it was so early that we were using like Cold War Kids and Pearl Jam and like Stone Temple Pilots. Like we were using like pop music. Yeah, yeah as the background. <laughs> and it was so long ago that not only are those are, are those videos, they're still there. Yeah. They're like 240p and they're still there and they're pre-DMCA and they're grandfathered in forever. 
So, um, Matt, when did you guys know it was something though? When you get like four views and all of a sudden you're getting tens of thousands, when did you say, holy shit, this might be something? Well, I, I, something happened to me that when, that it would be very unlikely to happen to anyone else ever again. Okay. Which is that I was at the exact right time Mm -hmm. where I'd made five or six videos for our club and I met a guy at one of our events who was starting a new YouTube network, which was ultimately called Next New Networks. And now when you think of, if you do you know what a multi-channel network is on YouTube? Yes. Okay, so for those who don't, a multi-channel network is a an online conglomerate that you as a channel join, mm-hmm. and they you become part of a bracket within this conglomerate, a branch, and they sell ads by adding up all the views of all the channels so it looks bigger and you get a you get better ad deals in theory and then they take a cut right in theory that's how it works now but it's virtual right you don't you 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 make your videos and it's all happening in the background virtually right mm-hmm. back then a multi-channel network was like a CNN newsroom or a Fox like literally everybody who had videos on the channel would physically go to this place and okay. make them there. That's what I mean. It was on Park Avenue and in New York City. And so I would go to this place which had like a studio and do like newscasty type car videos. This guy hired me to do this. Right? That shit would never happen again because not only do these things not exist anymore, no one's going to pay fucking randoms a salary to host videos on YouTube. <laughs> You know what I mean? That just don't happen. Of course not. But this would but we're talking about within the first six months of YouTube being a thing. Wow. And I was the guy already making videos and not sounding like an idiot talking about cars. So I was like one of the very first people like like Top Gear and shit got pirated yeah. onto YouTube, but I was one of the first people to start reviewing cars and talking about cars in a full time way on YouTube and then and, when someone, the- and for a year and change I was paid to do it while I owned the car wash at a certain point I decided that going back to the freezing cold car wash was not where I wanted to be spending my time as opposed to the studio in New York City you know with all these other people my age talking about cars um, now the follow-up to that story is 18 months later that company in the crash of 08 was sold to Google for cheap I was let go and left with basically nothing after they had made me a lot of promises about equity and oh, insurance. Really? So you got fucked at the end. I got fucked at the end, but not as bad as the guy who lured me there because he ultimately fucked us again doing something else and is now in prison. Wait, wait, wait what did he do? What was the charge? Well, he's actually, unfortunately, not in prison for anything he did with us. He stole from a company that that he was that I was working for that he was on the board of, right. and that was a shitty thing to do. But he didn't go to prison for that. He he was working for, you know, uh, Epics, the TV channel. Yeah, of course, the movie channel, EPIX. So he was like their director of digital marketing, which basically meant he was buying ads on mm-hmm. digital outlets on behalf of Epics. Well, he basically made up a bunch of fake digital outlets that he owned and was basically just paying himself out of the bud. He stole $7 million from Epics. And how long – jail time did he get? Four years. Eh, not the worst thing in the world. No, I, he's a piece of shit, and, and fuck him. And Emil Rensing, you suck if you're out there. And, and I'm glad he's in jail for something. He deserved, The whole time I knew the guy was a fucking shitbag, and he was. I went back to clips from 08 and 09. You had these thick sideburns. Will those, oh, be, yeah. making, will those be making a comeback? Dude, I can't now because well, you can't have the sideburns without anything on top anymore. I had, to ditch the, I had to ditch the sideburns once I realized I didn't have a supporting act on top of the head. But, I, you know, the sideburns were a thing for a while. They, oh, they, yeah, they were, yeah. They're kind of, it's, it's, it's fucking silly to look at those pictures now, but in, in at the time... I was pulling ass with those sideburns. Let me just, I'll just be perfectly honest with you. I was pulling ass with those sideburns. I get a, I'm, I'm amazed. Some of those view, some of those clips you have have over 5 million views. And so how does it work? Do car people come out there 
and be like, hey, drive my car. I'm really confused how some of it works because you're driving all these cars. You're reviewing it. It's right. blowing my mind. I haven't had a car in 10, in 10 so, years, so explain this to me. Well, there's a there's a lot of different things that are happening at once. Uh, 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 the, the main thing is I deal with the manufacturer's PR people. So when a new car comes out, sometimes I will get invited to – like a press launch where they'll literally fly in like 50 journalists to drive the cars all in one destination. So like last week I just was in Palm Springs with a few other journalists driving the new Lamborghini Aventador SVJ Roadster, right? Other times, hi Conrad, other times I will request, ask those PR people, hey, can I borrow a Lamborghini SVJ Roadster for a few days in LA to do a video on my own time. Other times I will get a car from a shop that builds custom cars or from an owner. If it's something that I particularly am looking for, I have done a lot of videos from personally owned vehicles in the past, but starting about 2018, <clears throat> I got away from the personally owned cars whenever possible, because there's just, I I don't need the stress of driving, of you know, someone being like, oh, you abused my car. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's when 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 a company is uh, trying to sell something, uh, it's 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 much easier to be critical and it's much more fair to be critical of someone who is trying to market something than of a person who just built something for themselves. You know, you don't you don't want to be judgmental of a, of a guy's dream car that he built for himself if he likes it the fuck do you care you know what i mean who are you to shit on someone's dream you know what i mean and i try to be as objective as possible even when driving someone's personally owned car but but it's impossible to escape something that type of scenario whereas if it's a manufacturer owned car or a custom shop that's trying to sell parts or complete cars well you know now you get you now you're a consumer advocate and that's where you need to be you know are you a motorcycle guy also or no? I I enjoy motorcycles. I I ride motorcycles. I in LA my my daily transportation when I don't have a test car is a little Yamaha scooter, like a 125 Yamaha scooter. All right. Um and I I love them. I I'm not, you know, I I'm I'm pretty good at driving cars. And when I say pretty good at driving cars, I mean like I am good enough at driving them like in the way a racing driver would drive them that I can accurately describe the dynamics of the vehicle in a way that makes sense. Right. Like a racing driver, a real racing driver will beat me in a race, but I'll be close enough that I can tell you what the car is doing. You know what I mean? Of course. On a motorcycle, I have a lot of experience, but not like a racing driver would have. I have experience like a cab driver would have. <laughs> like street knowledge yeah like so i have right so i i have i have street knowledge on the scooter and, and how to how to not die riding in the city but i'm not qualified to say the new ducati 1098 you know you know with 200 horsepower and all carbon fiber shit I, i'm i'm not gonna go ride all fast and crazy like i do with cars i just i'm not i don't have that i don't have that thing you know I'm this huge traveler. It's one of my biggest passions. I've been to like 77 countries, and I always hate when someone's like, what's your favorite country? Because it's like, okay, now let me know if this is the same thing for you. What's your favorite? Yeah, do you have a favorite make or model like this is my thing or? No, you know, I don't because there's so much good stuff out there, and it's it's like saying – you know, a lot of people ask me, like the equivalent that I, the, the, where I, is, is there's, a, there's a food equivalent too, but travel is, a, is another great, another great parallel where it's like someone says to me, I get the emails a lot and say, should I buy uh, a Porsche 911 mm-hmm. or a Corvette or a Mustang or an M3? And I go, ho, 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 ho. That's like saying <laughs> to me, that's like, um, let's like pretend I'm a food critic. Okay. Right? I'm a food critic. And you said to me, Matt, do I feel like a hamburger or Chinese food or pizza <laughs> or maybe like I'll just roast a turkey at home by myself? 
You know what I mean? Like, that's like saying, like, should I get an M3 or a 911? Or maybe I'll just buy an old Mustang and swap in a new engine. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> that's like saying, should I get a hamburger or Chinese food? Or should I roast my own pig at home? You know, like, like these are just, these are, you just ask me, which of these experiences should I want? And they are all completely different experiences, right? Whereas if you say to me, Matt, I know I want the feeling of a mid-engine sports car. Mm-hmm. And here's my budget. What do you think is the best mid-engine sports car that meets these requirements for this much money? Then at least I go, okay, well, here are, are your choices. You know, it's that that is the equivalent of saying, Matt, I want a hamburger tonight. Where would you get a hamburger? That's a mutt. That's an answerable question. Yeah, you narrowed it down for you. Yeah, I can't tell you what you want, but if you tell me you want a hamburger, I can tell you where I'd get a hamburger. So that's the same thing with car advice. Like people ask for advice, but they're so bad at telling you. And they're so vague, it seems. Well, they, they, what I think is weird about people is they don't see like, test driving as an option like or even going to sit in a car as an option and like like i understand if we're talking about a very rare exotic car i get i get that if you need if you need a question matt i'm six four am i going to fit in the ferrari 488 the nearest one is 200 miles from me but i'd like to own one like that's a fair question right Mm -hmm. but someone says yo should i should i buy the camry or the accord and i go well like these are very accessible cars. Did did you go drive them? What did you think? You know, and they go no. And I go, well, where do you live? And they go, you know, pick a city that has dozens of Honda <laughs> and Toyota dealers. And like it was just that that experiencing something for themselves is not the first option. Whereas to me, I would I would ask the experts if I experienced all that I could and then hit a wall. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that's the weird thing about the internet is that people, I don't even know if they want the advice. I just think that they find themselves in this dilemma and they're using it as an excuse to reach out to someone for just to, who they might admire and, and they, uh, you know, and they don't otherwise have a reason, you know, it's better that than having no reason. Of course. <laughs> better yeah. that, I mean, it's better that than someone sends you a message that says absolutely nothing. <laughs> I know you're into the exotic cars and all these classics. You want to know what cars I love? Like I said, I haven't owned a car for 10 years. Yeah. I love those old cars from the 40s, like the Mercury uh, Club Coupe, the Willie yeah. Street Rod, the old yeah. cars with like the big carriage wheels. Are you into any of those old, old vintage cars? Because I love those. I mean, I like I like all kinds of different stuff. I don't I you know, I, I my bread and butter as far as my career and videos is definitely exotic cars. And and I think that's a nice place to find yourself as far as a career goes. Um, I think that especially because when you're in exotic cars, there is always something new. These companies are coming out with new stuff, whereas if you're. A friend of mine, Mike Musto, who's a great guy and a great presenter, his specialty is muscle cars. And muscle cars are kind of like classic rock radio. It never really evolved. (laughs) (laughs) The problem with classic radio, classic rock radio, is that they've had the same collection of 100 CDs for 100 years, you know. So, So it doesn't really evolve. And so while I like seeing that stuff, and for you, if you're into stuff in the 40s, I mean... It's a buyer's market right now because not a lot of people our age are into those that kind of stuff. And you can buy great cars that work great and that look great and that you can totally drive and that are not going to be – and that, you know, quite frankly, the market for those cars is dying off and young people don't really care. So you you could personally take good advantage of something like that. You mentioned the, tel- uh, the Telsa uh, cult. Why shouldn't I throw 100 – Tesla. Yeah. Tesla, Tesla, I know nothing about cars. I'm going to have to edit that out now. So you, know, you, met- you know so little about cars, you can't even pronounce Tesla. Correctly. Tesla, Matt, I know nothing about that, but I see this cool-ass tank-looking thing, and I only have to drop 100 bucks. Why is right. everyone not doing that? That looks like the coolest shit in the world. Doesn't that seem too good to be true? Well, yeah, what is what, – what is, <laughs> Matt, obviously you know there's a, a catch to it. To be true, right? Obviously. What's the catch to it, though? Because it's like you drop $100 down and uh, – in a year or two, you can have this tank that's the coolest looking thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay. So here's the catch. One, it's based on false demand, right? You could also not give him $100. 
and then when that truck comes out, you could buy one, right? So that's so that's. I'm, curious, I'm gonna have to cut you off because I want to know what the purpose is for the hundred dollars. That's what I'm very confused the with. Purposes for the hundred dollars is so he can go to a bank, which in in the in in what seems like has actually happened in today's news, they got a 1.4 billion dollar loan from China. Okay. And what you would do is the the $100 is a very low number. Just like you said, what the hell, right? Fuck it. 100 bucks. Roll the dice. Bet yeah. it on black, right? 100 bucks. Who cares? Mm-hmm. It's low enough that you'll say what the hell and throw it at him cuz he's going to build you a movie prop. And also it's <laughs> low enough it's low enough that you won't sue him to get it back if he takes too long with the money. Okay. And the, but the p- real point of it is, it's low enough that a lot of people will say, "What the hell?" So he can go to a bank and say, "We have three hundred thousand pre-orders, even if those, even if half of those aren't real." He just wanted to get a huge number to go to a bank and get a loan and keep doing business. Oh, so he can say, "Listen, I have twenty-five thousand people in line waiting to buy this yes, car." Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And then the car. Look, they might come out with a pickup truck. I promise you it won't look like that. And then and I'll be like, oh, dude, it's 100 bucks. Whenever it comes out, I'm probably right. not going to buy it anyway. Okay. But I can be- Maybe you get your 100 bucks back. Maybe you don't. But it's not enough money that you're constantly going to be checking up on, hey, when's my truck ready? You know what I mean? But, but the, 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 problem with, the problem with all of it is in a healthy company, you shouldn't have to give them the 100 bucks. And you'll still be able to get one in a reasonable period of time. Like, 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 remember how everyone had to put money in to get a Model 3? And then guess what? Now you can just, like, get a Model 3. Like, you can walk into a Tesla store right now and go, do you have any I can buy today? And they will go, yes, and pull one around for you, and you drive home in it that day. So, like, all of the – the thing about putting deposits on a product are – you should only ever do it in a company that has a reputation for consistently delivering those products on time as you know as they should be for many many years and also like you shouldn't like you know it's it's not limited production what do you need to deposit for just wait till they start making it and then just buy one now you know what now he's not getting my $100 so f <laughs> No, you're right. You're right. It makes sense because I was like, dude, 100 bucks. I'll do it. I'll screenshot it. I'll be like, hey, look, I'm buying a car. (laughs) There you go. That's that's. See, he's giving you an Instagram opportunity by screenshotting by being. You get the adrenaline of 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 you being like, I'm gonna get one. But just trust me. Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna trust you. (laughs) Text you and ask if I should buy this Tesla. Look, and I'm not saying you shouldn't buy Teslas. You can buy a Tesla. You want to go buy it. But just all, my only advice is if you're going to buy a car, if you're going to pay money for a car, that car should exist. It should yeah. exist now. It should exist. It should. You should be able to look at it and go, that thing that I'm going to hand you money for is the exact <laughs> thing that I will be handed. When so. in Pennsylvania, yeah, you, when you were in Pennsylvania at Penn, you were a Quaker. Yeah. You and I were talking. You said you came, uh, you found out about Opie and Anthony. How'd you find out about them? Because that's our mutual connection is Opie. What's your? How'd you find out about them? And what bit stands out? Because I'm a I'm a radio fucking nerd. Uh, so when I when I was at Penn, I was a pretty prolific <laughs> marijuana dealer. Uh, and me and my friends kind of like, kind of like ran shit a little bit down there. Don't worry. The statute of limitations on all this is long since expired. Long gone. You're good. It does not matter. Um, and so, you know, uh, like, like a college kid would do, I bought a bunch of kind of silly things. Um, and I, I played in a band and so I, I had a lot of really, really, really a level guitar equipment. Um, and, uh, I had a, I had a pretty cool like home theater set up in my house and I had a, um, a Mercury Mountaineer. Do you know what that is? I do. I'm, I'm very familiar with that. All right. Yeah. For those who don't, it's, it's, it's the Mercury version of the Ford Explorer. Basically it's, <laughs> it's a trimmed up, it's like a Denali, right? It's like an Explorer Denali basically. And, uh, so I had one of those and I, and I got the full, you know, the system, I had the full system. This was when, this was like, oh, two, oh, three. And it was when 
TVs in the truck first became like a thing. And so I had the Alpine flip out DVD player with the TVs and the headrest, the speakers, the whole deal. And where I'm getting at is I had the very first XM radio. Um, I think 2001, 2002 is when I first got it. It was when, when XM first came out. Mm-hmm. So I discovered Opie and Anthony on XM, even though I was in New York when they were on like NEW and I didn't, I didn't really know about them at the time. Well, because you weren't driving around delivering weed, that's why. I wasn't delivering <laughs> delivering weed. No, no, I was not delivering weed. I was like the the top guy, and I just I actually in my in my spare time, uh, the the as <laughs> far it's funny that that's where you went with that. It's not it's not that part's not true, but that's funny. No, I would go on a, like a lot of road trips. I was like a super. I loved road trips, and I still do. And um and we would go on road trips, me and my friends in the truck, and we'd watch like entire seasons of the Sopranos, like smoking blunts, you know, in the, in the truck. And yeah, good times, good times. Wait, hey, you, it's so fucking weird. You said that for the first time in my life, I'm watching Sopranos. I'm up to season. Never seen no, no, no. I'm up to season five, dude. It is the the greatest show. I it think is. it might be the best show ever, dude. I'm on to season Matt. five now. All oh, my Tony and Carmelo just split up. Oh and I yeah. Just, no, that Whitecaps episode. Did you get to that one yet? Which one was the Whitecaps episode? Where he gets the summer, the summer house, and then tries oh. to bail on it. And yeah, and, and he has the boat, boat in, the, in, the, in the middle. Yeah, and he has, and he's blasting Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> the, the opening scene of that show where he's where he runs over the guy in Chrissy's Lexus. Um, as one, that's a that sh- that shit got me hooked, man. I I love The Sopranos. I've watched it all the way through. I've watched all six seasons all the way through, probably like 10, 12 times. Just now, uh, last night's episode, he goes to Uncle June. He goes, Uncle June, you love me? I'm like, oh, I get all emotional. I'm connected to the Soprano family now. I feel like yeah. I'm part of the family. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's I love that show so much, and there's so many just good characters in that show. And uh, I, have, you, have you watched uh, Chrissy's Intervention yet? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Chrissy's <laughs> Intervention <laughs> is one of my favorite scenes in television fucking history. Matt, how about when they take him to the hospital and they're like, yeah, he fell. He slipped on the uh, counter. It's like he has <laughs> footprints on his face. He slipped on the counter. They tell him. <laughs> God damn, I love that show. Do recommend. We, uh, but anyway, that's how I that's how I found out about Opie and Anthony. And at the time, you know, I was really shy. I wasn't shy in terms of like being quiet or anything, but I was really like insecure and. I was always kind of like I had kind of a filthy mouth and I was told that was like bad. I speak like I like I talk now and yeah. I was basically like told that like no you shouldn't ever talk like that and and um I learned from those guys that um that that you actually could talk however you wanted and be successful at it and even earn a living at it. Um and so that was really inspiring um at the time. Um and then as the various um uh factions sort of as that show sort of dissolved Mm -hmm. uh and and went away and came back and you know anthony was gone and then jimmy was you know gone and whatever i i i did start to realize that that in my opinion that um the consistent uh, quality of broadcast really did come from from opie um and i learned more about radio and stuff and and uh and i started to to appreciate opie and especially opie's ability to find you know, talent because Opie discovered Anthony, who you know was a blue collar guy, mm-hmm. and then being able to uh, not just necessarily discover Carl because Guy Fieri discovered Carl, really, but but um, to put to really put Carl on the radio, I think I think Carl was a was a, a better broadcaster than ninety five percent of the people I've ever heard speak into a microphone, and you know his job was making fucking food. Yeah, you know, and, and, and Opie giving him the reins, like here, his open mic, go ahead. You know, gave Carl everything. I want one good, good Cuban story. Give me one good call story, because you guys, you and him became oh, very close okay. towards the end. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, we had, <clears throat> I mean, we've had, we had a, a very short relationship. I, you know, I, I only met him probably two years before he died, and and I lived on opposite coasts with him, so I didn't, I didn't, I, I only hung out with him maybe five or six times in per, in person total. But he was like literally like the only only man that I talked on the phone with like ever. Like I don't talk on the phone with dudes. Like you're not allowed I, to, yeah. 
No, it's not like I'm not allowed to. It's not like a macho thing or anything. I'm just like busy and bad at it. Like that's it's really that's all. I just don't. Whenever the phone rings, I feel like someone's bothering me. Like I'm in, for whatever I'm doing okay. in front of my face. And so I just every time I hung out with Carl, or he would he would make me laugh my fucking ass off. He would introduce me to another person that was ridiculously funny or interesting or somehow worth really worth knowing. He would teach me something new that I didn't know, you know, a skill or a fact or something I didn't know. And and every time it was one of those it was one of those things. And so, I mean, you know, I invited he came to my wedding um, and I'm so glad he came. Uh, he was amazing. He was like he was like a wedding crashers guest that had been invited. You know, and he was just a rock star. I I dropped him at uh, a table with like all of my like, you know, the you know, the table that you have to make at a wedding. That's like your friends, but they're like the kind of random friends that like don't fit in a group big enough to make a table. You know yeah, what I mean? The mish- mishmash. You put everyone the together. Mishmash, that's it. So I dropped Carl at the mishmash table and we're serving food family style and had this beautiful spread and we went all out with the food and Carl like cannot help himself. He's like grabbing plates and like plating people's food. He's like, I can't help it. I'm a fucking waiter. You know, and, like, all the friends are like, who is this lunatic? What is he doing? And then he starts taking the food and turning it into other food. He loved pairing and, stuff together. And he was, he was like running around, like, he came up to me and just, like, shoved a taco in my face. And he was like, try this shit. And I was like, we're not even serving this. Like, where, did you, where did you get a tortilla? Like, what, 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 what the fuck is this? Where did you buy this food? And it was delicious. And he allegedly made it only out of things we were serving. I still don't know how he did it. And, uh, and then, you know, at, at the after party... You know, we had the wedding went to like 1130 and and it was great. Every, you know, all the service people love Carl and the chefs love Carl. And, you know, he's dancing with every woman in my extended family over the age of 50. You know, everybody had a good time except Danielle, Carl's date. Carl shouldn't have brought a date. He yeah, wasn't. I don't, I don't know why he does that, Matt. He'd bring dates these places. He, he hated dates. Well, I think he I think he felt like he needed somebody to lean on if he couldn't be himself in, you know, as it turns out, he could. He, he shouldn't have brought a date. But th- that's neither here nor there. We go to the after party at the hotel. We take over, like, the hotel lobby bar. And, and Carl orders $300 worth of Domino's to the hotel bar. You know, after we're ordering, after we'd eaten this amazing meal. And people were like, Carl, you know, you're this Food Network chef. Like, how could you eat this fast food? And then Carl did, like, a like 20 minutes on why Domino's is super important to, like, our culture. And it was just the most interesting thing he changed everybody's mind about dominoes you know what i mean and it was like it was was the most the most carl you know moment it was great it was just it was super super great and i've I've had you for 50 minutes so just give me two more minutes of your time sure uh they say every man should own a nice watch what's a respectable watch you recommend for a fairly successful 35 year old man what watch do you recommend for that dude and i'm not doing the whole thing with a car should i get a rolex or no i mean it's just hard because like there's a lot of great watches out there and it depends on people's budget and their definition of a nice watch i think most people like you know carl and carl and and myself we have an affinity for seiko watches I love Seiko's because it's a vertically integrated company. And what that means is they make all their own components that make up the watch, right? A lot of watch companies use movements and parts from sort of generic companies, right? Uh, Whereas Seiko uh, is vertically integrated. So we like Seiko. And so for under $1,000, I would say that a Seiko is probably the the highest quality watch you're going to get for under a thousand dollars so if that's if that's the definition of a good watch we can start there or you know you got to give me a price point i don't want to say some snobby ass shit get <laughs> reamed because uh, matt farrow recommended a twenty thousand dollar watch piece of shit <laughs> how many watches you own mm, right now like 10 12 Okay, and uh-huh. do, you, do you get rid of them and trade them like like a sneakerhead will save their yeah. sneakers and sell them off? What do you do with your watches? I do. I have a sponsor. I have a watch sponsor. Ooh. Um, 
which is funny because it's it's the same thing as an athletic sponsorship, but it's also the same thing as an alcoholic sponsorship. Um, so it works both ways. <laughs> it's the same person, and uh, and so it's yeah. So basically, you know, as as I, I haven't been into watches for more than like three or four years, really. It's a new thing for me. So so as my desire to collect things and i am a collector of things comes into conflict with my desire to not have anything i don't use uh and that combines with the the refining of a taste and a style over a period of time uh i'm i'm at a point where i have collected too many watches and i've ended up with a bunch that i don't wear and so now i'm trying to consolidate upwards uh, into three or four watches that are supremely baller, but that <laughs> I wear all the time. And so, you know, the collection expands, and then I'm trying to contract contract it upwards. And so I'm in the process of a trade right now, uh, a two-for-one, where I, I get rid of two and I get one in return. <laughs> I, yeah. love your, I love your lifestyle. It's just so random, but yet you're passionate <laughs> about everything you do. Yeah, look, I have I have an IRA also. <laughs> I spend a lot of time you... doing emails. Like you got to understand, like the driving of the sports cars mm-hmm. versus the responding of the emails. The emails outweigh the sports cars by like a lot. <laughs> the ed- I also edit video and this very mic I'm talking to you, I got to record all the voiceovers and I sell all look, I sell 95% of my own advertising I sell too. So it's the, the it's not it sounds pimp when it's like yeah i drive sports cars and fucking flip baller watches like yeah if you edit someone's week down into the most boss 10 minutes almost anyone is going to have an awesome week if you just pick the most baller 10 minutes of their week um but if you look at the the, the week as a whole and I, i'm not complaining at all i love my life i think i have a great life i beat i beat the system in a lot of ways and i also have a lot of advantages you know i, I come from a, a, a successful father and who went to good schools and all that kind of shit. But <clears throat> there's a, it doesn't just, it doesn't just like happen. You kind of, you really have to have the hustle gene has to always be, be going. You don't really ever get to fully walk away from it. You know what I mean? You've got to always sort of be responding to people. And, you know, if you run your own social media, like you got to be authentic, but you got to be engaging and you got to find a balance between selling advertising, getting sponsors, but also being authentic and not selling out. You sell enough, but not too much. Mm -hmm. And it's that balance. And so what what I've really found a way to do is to grow the smoking tire slowly and incrementally over a period of, of many years. And um and that will that will be around for a long time, and then the stability uh, will really come from this new place, Westside Collector Car Storage, that we're building, and where we're going to have our new studio. So that'll be awesome. I love how you said the ball of ten minutes. It's the same thing with traveling. Like I like to go to these, like the Sphinx. Yeah. Like, bro, you're so fucking lucky you went there. But I'm like, oh, obviously I am very fortunate to travel a lot. But you don't realize the 26 hour flight, the 12 yeah. hour layover, the two hours on the camel, 120 degrees just to get that one good picture. Yeah. So I that mean, one that, good picture looks great, but the two days to get there is like fucking hell, man. It does. And, you know, in travel, it's unavoidable, right? Like there's only one Sphinx. Like you want to see it, you got to do that, right? Yep. But the, 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 the interesting thing about automotive journalism is sometimes when I go to test a new car, it's at a place that's fairly baller, right? So, like, I was flown from L.A. to Portugal to drive a Lamborghini, okay? Um, and that sounds – when I tell you it like that, that sounds awesome, right? Except the truth is I was on a racetrack, and I only got, I think, eight laps on the track. So it was 36 hours of flying for, like, 21 minutes of driving. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like, I, I'm not I, – look, I, I, I earned a living doing that, and I can say I've been to Portugal. But, like, going to people – but and I'm not complaining about the going to Portugal. I chose to do that. I could have said no. I made the choice, right? But when, But after doing a trip like that, people then assume that you've been – paid off to say nice things I know yep with the trip to Portugal like and they don't understand is like 
The trip to Portugal in this instance is actually an inconvenience, not a benefit. Like, I didn't hang out sipping drinks on the beach in Portugal. I flew in, went to bed, drove a car for 25 minutes, you know, sat at the hotel, went to the gym, and then went to the airport and flew home. I was there for, like, I think 30 hours. <laughs> so, and so, like, so like but and, and furthermore, I can drive the same car in America, like, in Los Angeles right now. You know what I mean? Without it. So so the the destination to do a thing that you can do, you know, imagine if the Sphinx went on a world tour, you'd feel pretty dumb going there, wouldn't you? Oh, I'd be pissed. <laughs> so it's the same kind of thing. All right, we're going to so wrap it up. Like, it's awesome. Like, I, you know, I, 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 I got to do it. I wrote a story. I made a video with that Lamborghini and it did well and I earned a living. And I get to say that Lamborghini flew me to Portugal to drive their car for 21 minutes, you know, <laughs> which is a silly thing to tell people. But it's also kind of a waste of time. <laughs> did you try those little uh, egg tarts out in Portugal? You weren't even there that long. I don't even, I don't know. I, I remember, all I remember is what the lobby of the hotel looked like. I mean, it was literally, it was like airport to hotel to shuttle bus to racetrack to roundy, 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 round to back to hotel to back to airport. That's the whole thing. It could have been anywhere. It could have been Portugal or France or Greece or California or the fucking Idaho. It could have been anywhere. It doesn't, it literally doesn't matter where it was. It added, it added absolutely nothing to the experience. All right. We're going to finish up with quick questions. You ready? <laughs> Sorry. Last speeding ticket you ever got? Um, it's not exciting, unfortunately. Um, um, it's uh the last speeding ticket I got was going. I believe I was allegedly going sixty-one and a forty-five. Ah. In my in my it sounds douchey in my Lamborghini, um, <laughs> on the Pacific coast highway in Malibu. And it was in a place where there's always a cop hiding and I just wasn't paying attention. And, and, um, I have an attorney okay. that I like, and I haven't heard peep about it since. <laughs> Co collection. You envy more Leno's or Seinfeld, which car collection do you envy more? Uh, Seinfeld. Um, I think Jay's collection is perfect for Jay. Um, but he has a lot, all that, the steam cars and shit, uh, he learns yeah. on that stuff. Uh, I don't really care. I mean, I'm glad he, I went over there and I've seen that stuff and I'm so glad that Jay has his steam cars <laughs> and that somebody does. Um, but as far as hop in it, drive it, you know, have a good time. Uh, I'm going to go with Seinfeld. Yeah. Seinfeld's collection is sick. Did you get laid younger growing up with a better watch or a better car? Wait, wait. Growing up, what helps a better watch or a better car? I'm talking about you. You growing up, which did you get? You got laid more if you had a nicer car or a better watch. I don't. I didn't have a nice watch when I was growing up. I I, I had like I I had bullshit watches and I didn't care about watches until I was like like three years ago. Best movie about cars. Oh boy, the best movie about cars. Oh, that's a good one. To, how about can I plug the movie I'm in? I didn't know you were in a movie it's, actor. It's, Let, let's uh, hear. It's just, it just came out. I'm not acting. It's a documentary. It's on iTunes. It's the number th right now. It's number three in the U.S. on documentaries on iTunes. It's um, it's uh, called Apex: The Secret Race Across America. It's about the Cannonball Records, the very real Cannonball Records, not the movie with Burt Reynolds. Uh, and my friend Alex's goal to break that records, but it's that record, but it's got some really incredible archival historical footage about what these guys were doing to get cannonball records back in the late seventies and early eighties. Very cool stuff. And you're in it. And I'm, I am in it. Yes. It's called apex, the secret race across America. It's on iTunes right now. And last one, I access to everyone on my show, you and I hanging out at a bar. Who's the coolest dude in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you back. Uh, let's see celebrity name drop. Yeah, we got, you got to give me a nice name drop. I would say it's probably a tie between Joe Rogan and Guy, Chef Guy Fieri. Good answers. Those are, and you know, at a bar, I think more people would be impressed with Rogan at the bar. That's a great answer. Those are great probably. answers. Probably. Yeah, those are probably my, my thing. Those are my two most baller friends. I'm, I'm trying to scroll through my phone right now and see if I can actually find anyone more. I can't. Oh, Adam Carolla. Yeah, you see, for me. Adam would be – because Adam's like a radio guy, so that's a huge one. 
But Joe Rogan now, because he's the UFC, he's like the male yeah. Oprah. You feel like cool. Oh, you watched Rogan. So right now, I'd go Rogan is your cool answer. I think, I think, yeah, I think Ro- Rogan or Chef Guy Fieri are probably my two coolest people on my phone right now. Yeah. Ma- Matt, plug all your stuff. This was a first. Let me say this was a blast, man. I'm a huge fan of yours. Here's how I know you're doing something well. I like watching your shit, watching your shows, talking about watches, and I'm not into it. That's how you know you do something good, and oh, I mean thank that. You. I appreciate that. Thanks very much. Uh, you can find everything I do, The Smoking Tire. It's on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, the Smoking Tire podcast is every Tuesday and Thursday. You can get it on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. It's also on video on my YouTube channel um, because we do have, we do visual aids in our show if you if you're into that sort of thing we also do the show live so you can catch that by be by subscribing to my youtube channel and i write for road and track magazine so you can read my columns on roadandtrack.com or in the in the print magazine and catch me on ob radio sometimes <laughs> yes i don't know next uh, time in new york that's all i got that's all i got hey we definitely got a link up next time you're in new york my friend absolutely thanks mike thanks now talk to you soon brother all right have a good christmas Good holidays, brother. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.